Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. We're talking about cherishing the nations. And eventually, if I get to what I have planned to talk about, I'm going to tell you, give it away, I'm going to tell you that Cherishing the nations is a partnership. I'm going to read the Bible with you, and we're going to discover some ways in which it seems very clearly that this call to cherish the nations, this call to join Jesus in what he does in cherishing the nations, is a partnership. And related to what Susan had to share, and related to what I think the Holy Spirit is emphasizing just in the room today, some of you are perhaps being drawn, will be being drawn, or are already being drawn to take your place, your unique place in the body of Christ and his mission in the world, but especially in this kind of language of cherishing the nations. When you hear the word cherish, does that ring a bell that you've heard that word somewhere that you don't hear a lot? Somebody? A wedding vow. Yeah, you were like afraid to say it, some of you. Just say it. (laughs) You can't say a wrong thing here. You can all talk. What is it to have and to hold, to love and to cherish until we're parted by death? Which reminds me of this song we sang, I'm in this forever. Remember there was that commitment, then there was the response back while we were singing. What a great time of singing worship songs that was just like a conversation. We were Then we went to talking about, I'm amazed at how you love me. I'm committed to you. I'm amazed at... How you love me, your love for me, I'm so amazed. And, and on and on it went, this time of worship this morning. We're cherishing the nations as a partnership. But, oh yeah, another thing. Um, is there anyone here that speaks Spanish? A few of you. Is there anyone that's like, your, it's your first language? Oh, over here, yeah. Puedes hablar en español? Es la lengua celestial, no? I just said it's the, it's the heavenly language. It's what they speak in heaven. I, apparently, when we get to the pearly gates, San Pedro is going to say, bienvenidos. <laughs> I don't know. In any case, on the 29th of this month, my good friend Ruben Quintero will be speaking here. He passes a church in Imperial Valley, a vineyard church. It's called La Viña. It's a Spanish-speaking church. He is the overseer of something for Vineyard USA called the Hispanic Association, which works specifically bringing encouragement and a voice and a place to gather and encourage for Hispanic people in the Vineyard community. Oh, what do we have? A loose wire. Okay, it's going to be Ron, don't move, and that's impossible. Or maybe it's just that I have a, a beard and I'm... That may have fixed it. Okay, thank you. User error. Back to Ruben Quintero. On the 29th of this month, when we're having our international potluck, Ruben is ready to meet with everyone that either speaks Spanish or is interested in looking at how we can do Spanish ministry here. And, and you all probably have heard me say it sometime if you've been around it. I would love to see us more effectively be a blessing to the Spanish-speaking community all around us in Oceanside. 
And I would love to see a Spanish-speaking vineyard church called La Vina planted right in Oceanside. Well, Reuben will meet with us and talk with us about what it looks like just to have a Spanish Bible study and Spanish ministry and how that can multiply. And I would love for any of you that are interested in just having that conversation that speaks Spanish to let me know. Reach out to me. Use that number that you saw on the screen. Use any number you've ever seen in the church. It'll probably get to me. And... um, Let's make an appointment to get together for lunch that day. Sound good? No? Okay. Andale, pues. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to start by reading some scripture. Ephesians 5, you've often heard talking um, about husbands and wives loving each other. And the first words are, husbands, love your wives just as. And then it talks about Jesus. And when, he, when Paul ends this section... He talks about um, the fact that what he's discussing in this section is really the relationship between Jesus and his church. So he says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. How? Did Christ give himself for the church? Hello? By dying on the cross. So, in, under what circumstances did he die on the cross for the church? Was it for people that were the church already or before they were the church? Not after, but before. So, he dies on the cross, rises from the dead and invites people to put their faith in him, and as they do, they're made new in the inside, and he brings them into this body called the church. So he, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, died on the cross, before she even was the church. Before you were the church, Jesus died for you, and then you met him and came into the church. There's a couple other places in the Bible where that kind of language is used, and I think as we just read a few of them, we'll see this thought developing. By the way, he loved the church so much, he cherishes the people that are now and will be part of his body called the church so much that he's willing to give everything for them. So here's another one. In Acts 20, we hear the story of the apostles meeting with the elders and the overseers of the church house churches probably, in a place called Ephesus. He's In that context, he says to them, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So there's another picture there, another way of saying, another emphasis. By the way, you who are overseers, pay attention. This flock that you are overseeing, that you are caring for, that you're being a shepherd to, It's pretty precious because Jesus bought those folks with his own blood. You feel that the weight there, like, don't fool around if you're you're caring for people in the church. Don't fool around. Jesus bought these people with his blood. They're important. They're very valuable to him. And there's another one. This one I'll read more fully, uh, uh, maybe a whole chapter if the time works. It looks like it will. Revelation chapter 5. Lord, speak to us as we're reading your scriptures. Help us to understand, to feel here, to know in our mind what this means, that you are cherishing the nations. 
and our role as followers of Jesus in joining you in cherishing the nations. So, Revelation, probably most of you know, but just in case, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It's one that's full of symbolic pictures. It's a vision that a guy by the name of John, who was a dear friend of Jesus, had. And he had it when he was in sort of solitary confinement on an island, maybe there. Thank you for your patience, sound people. I know I'm a pain right now. Um, did you say horrible? God bless you, too. Uh, John is on, is on an island where he's been banished, the island of Patmos, and he has this vision of Jesus. And it's the, the book is the revelation of Jesus and the revelation of history. You hear a lot about the, what's ha- going to happen in the future. In this vision, John writes, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He's in this vision of being in the throne room of Almighty God, and there's a throne like a king. And he sees in the hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. And so, you know, not, we have bound books. They had scrolls, um, parchment rolled up with writing on it, writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Are you picturing a seal? It probably is like wax that's been melted, and then the, there's the imprimatur of the king. There's seven seals on it. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. What on earth could that possibly mean? Um, and people have, you know, smart people throughout the last couple thousand years have asked questions like, well, maybe the scroll is the Old Testament, or maybe the scroll is actually the book of Revelation. And then different conclusions. I like this conclusion after thousands of years of discussing, praying, thinking, that perhaps the scroll represents the comprehensive, the complete program of God for this planet that will be consummated someday. The fulfillment of the ages in God's plan for earth, all bound up. And John is weeping because there's no one able to bring about the final end of days so far. It looks like this could be forever. No one's going to be able to bring completion. God's dreams and plans for this planet where this is renewed and redeemed and everything is made new and there's a return to a state like the Garden of Eden, which has been the promise since the very beginning. John is weeping. It's like, oh, no one is available. No one is worthy to do this thing. So he's weeping. Then verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. Who's the lion of the tribe of Judah? Jesus, that's right. It's an ancient prophecy regarding someone who would be like a lion who would come from the tribe, the Jewish tribe of Judah, one of the, set, one of the 12 sons of the guy named Israel, formerly Jacob, became Israel. One of his sons is Judah, not the firstborn. This is unusual. Reuben's the firstborn, but Judah's going to be the one out of which will ro- come a ruler, the Messiah, the, and he'll be like a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And what was the other title? Because I've lost it. 
Ah, the root of David. He's triumphed. There it is. I couldn't find it in my notes. Yeah, the root of the root of David. So it's one of David's offspring. This is Jesus. He's triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. So there's this, oh, the lion. And then John says, I looked and I saw not a lion but a lamb. And you know, we sing that song, he's the lion and the lamb. So he is both this conquering lion, but he's also, there's lots of symbols here, a lion. And it looks like it's been slain. Imagine that for a moment. There's a lamb. It looks like it's been slain, but it's alive. I imagine there's some blood stains on it. It looks like it's been killed, ready to be a sacrifice. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, he had seven horns. Horns, symbolically, usually speak of authority. He's got, and seven means like perfection. He's got complete, perfect authority. Seven eyes, that usually speaks of what? Seeing, right? He's all seeing. He's all knowing. He's got perfect knowledge of the whole of everything which are the seven spirits, or sometimes translated the sevenfold spirit of God, sent out to all the earth. He came, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Our prayers are important. They're like bowls of incense, and there's worship here. And they sang a new song, and they said, You are worthy. I'd love to hear the music for this, but they're singing, You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because. So they're going to sing in these words because what it is that, in this instance at least, has made Jesus worthy. So let's pay attention. Because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased men and women for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. The thing that makes Jesus worthy in this song is that he so has cherished every tongue, every tribe, every people, and every nation that he spent his own lifeblood to go and purchase somebody or many somebodies from every group on the planet. Um, people speak of diversity. There's nothing more diverse than if you have one of everyone in the group. You can't get more diverse than that. Some have said the picture is that Jesus went to like a marketplace and went to each booth that represented each possible culture, tribe, tongue, language, ethnic group, and said, I'll buy one of those, and I'll take one of those, and I'll take one of those, and I'll take one of those, and take one of those, until the end of days. This is pretty amazing. There will be somebody, or many, from every single group of people on this planet, because Jesus cherishes them so much that he will not have it, any other way. By the way, you could hear this for you. Whatever background you are, whatever your heritage is, wherever your grandparents came from, whatever food is common in your family culture, whatever kind of art you guys do, whatever kind of clothing you wear that's in your group, it's precious to Jesus. You are precious to Jesus. Not just everybody in one big clump, but you in particular, 
He loves something about you. Whether you are light-skinned or dark-skinned, whether you like spicy food or bland food, (laughs) whatever language your forefathers spoke, he is into you. You were cherished. By the way, another way to look at that is if there's any particular group that I don't feel super comfortable with, like I don't like the way they do their food, or I cannot get into their music, it's so weird to me. It just sounds like noise. Or, you know, whatever cultural thing, I can do well to remind myself, well, Ron, you may not, but Jesus is into them. He likes them, and you might as well join him, because you're a follower of Jesus, Ron, and if you follow him, remember how follow the leader works, you do what the leader does. So he cherishes them, I might as well learn how to cherish them. I love Revelation 5. Did I finish reading it? In a loud voice, they say, oh, verse 11, then I looked around and heard the voice of many angels numbering, picture this, thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000, I don't know how many zeros that is, but it sounds like millions or billions. They encircled the throne and living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And that's not enough, just the angels. So he sees more than I saw every creature. Everything that's been made, every living thing in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in the singing to him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be glory and honor and praise and power forever. (sighs) I can't wait till we hear that choir. Every living creature. The four living creatures said amen. And once again, like always, they fell down. And worship. They're always falling down in the book of Revelation. So how does Jesus purchase people for himself from every tribe and every tongue? So his, his, his life, by the way, when Jesus spends his life, it's not like what we do when we go to the, um, the blood donation center and give a little blood, right? So the picture is that which gives you life completely spent. There's a story of a little boy who had, uh, his sister was needing a blood transfusion, and the little boy volunteered to give his blood because it, it was a match for his sister, and they actually put them on a table next to each other, and that's scary. Have you ever given blood? I don't like the needle. I look the other way. They're like, are you going to pass out? I don't know, but I'm looking the other way. <laughs> the little boy is scared, and he says, it's going to hurt much, and they're like, it'll sting. And he's well, how long will it take until I die? And he thought he was going to give all his blood for his sister, and he was ready to give his life for his sister. That's the heart of Jesus for every nation, every tribe, every culture, every tongue, every person. So how does Jesus purchase? Well, he spends his blood, but how does the transaction completely happen? How does he go and do all this purchase? Paul explains it like this in the letter to the Romans. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So this is why I said to you, I'm going to read the scriptures and conclude that cherishing the nations 
is a partnership. And I'm thinking Jesus takes a lot of risks. I mean, it was risky for him to decide to be born in the natural way without a doctor and without even a room to stay in, right? Well, that was risky. But he decided to be a man, born in the natural way. Well, another thing that's risky is he cherishes the nations, and he's chosen, and it's made him worthy, to purchase with his own blood people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. But he's made himself vulnerable to a partnership because we just read that the purchase doesn't take place until someone brings the message to the person. And the person doesn't go to bring the message unless someone else sends them. Cherishing the nations is a partnership. Have you ever been in a partnership? You ever played on a team? Have you ever been in a business where you have a partnership? Have you ever been in a partnership where one of the partners doesn't do their part and the whole thing falls apart? Can you imagine that Jesus is such a risk taker that he says, I'm going to go into a partnership, and there's three roles. You can either be the Lamb of God who is sinless, is fully man, and fully God, and give your life. That role has been taken. No one gets to do that uniquely. Only Jesus has a role. The other role is you can be the message bringer, and the other role is you can be a sender. And it's my understanding that every follower of Jesus is called to be at least one of those roles. What are you doing? Do you say, I'm a follower of Jesus? Then you're either or both taking the message or sending someone to send the message, to take the message. That's serious. And you're in a partnership. And if I don't do my part, the thing falls apart. Oh, now he's getting to meddling. <laughs> Let that weight set on you. This is serious to me. So here's a picture of someone I've shown you a lot. Is there a picture there? There's not a picture there. Is there a picture there? There's not a picture there. Did the, did the computers go down? He's working frantically. You know the stress right now back there. <laughs> so you've, I've shown you this guy before, those of you that have been around a lot. That's my Zambian son, Mika. And he just sent me this picture Wednesday and said, oh, I was remembering our time together and how, just how just precious it was, and I'm praying for you. And this, this guy, he's 22, I love this guy. I mean, we are like father and son. And those of you that have been around, you've heard me tell the story occasionally. So he's in Zambia, one of the poorest nations on the earth. And he's, his dad is dead. His mother is dead. And not too many years ago, he was illiterate, without a hope, without a future, in abject poverty, and did not know Jesus and couldn't speak English. And the national language is English, so they can, you know, work with the world because that's kind of the lingua franca, as they say. And the reason he's now who he is, because who he is now is he's a college student getting a vocational degree in electrical, they call it engineering. It's, it's kind of like one of our electricians here. So that when he fulfills his calling and goes to Bible school to become a pastor, he will have a career to fall back on. Did you hear what I just said, though? He's going to be going to Bible school to be a pastor. So he went from being that, in that 
don't know Jesus, can't speak English, not educated, have no hope or future to be in all that because Jesus did his part and spent his blood to go and find him and purchase him from every tribe and every nation and every people group. And the way he did it was he sent a guy, a guy that many of us know, Ted Lawler, who God said, Ted, I want you to go to Africa and take care of orphans. So he went and established a place where kids could experience the gospel by having meals and clothing and love and a home and a house mother and go to school, go to church. And he heard the gospel. And he gave his life to Jesus. And he grew as a disciple. And he learned to speak English, so much so that he's one of the best interpreters they have there. So when I preach there, he's my interpreter. And this is personal to me, this partnership in cherishing the nations, because Jesus cherished that guy, loved him so much that he spent his blood to purchase him, and then waited until someone would answer the call to go, and someone would answer the call to send. And as a result now, I have a son in Zambia that I love dearly, and I don't know, I'm, you know, we're talking about the wedding plans for his girlfriend and what the role of the father is. That's how close we are. And that will happen. You'll be saying, I'll be saying, bye, I'm going to Africa. Got a wedding to attend to. So we're, you, you know we're um, in this missions month as a church, and we care about the nations. And I, I just brought it together. I want to show you how we practically do this. So you got, when you came in, hopefully a, a trifold brochure. Did you? Like this? And in fact, I think you guys have a picture of it to show maybe the, the one part of it. What we do is we do like Steve was talking about. We go to the nations. I go, we go, we take teams. I'm hoping we'll do it more and more and more. You know, we've not gone all over. We've gone to China. We've gone to Cambodia. We've gone to, a couple, we've gone to Kenya. We've gone to Zambia. We've gone to Snake. You've gone to, you went to Kenya. Go to Columbia, go to Tijuana, go around the world. So we go. We certainly pray both in our church services, but uniquely in our homes. You also got um, a prayer bulletin, I think, like this, which lists all the people that we're partnering with. Partnering as in someone brings the message and someone sends them. So we pray, we go, we learn, we support, we love, we write letters, we bless, we encourage those that are out around the world doing the work of the gospel, and we pay their way. Because people who are giving their lives to do the kind of ministry we're talking around, around the nation often cannot have a job to pay their way. So people like you and me pay their way in a partnership. And I... I Hear this, if you haven't heard this, many of you have from me that know me. When I was 17 years old, I graduated from high school, and I knew that it was time to start supporting missionaries. And I started giving a monthly gift to support a missionary when I was 17, and I'm 58 now, and I've not stopped since then. And I've never thought, oh, gee, what a waste of money. I wish I hadn't done that. Just think, man, if I added that up, just think of the car I could drive right now. Never thought it. I'm very thankful that God put it on my heart to be a sender. And as a leader of a church, as a person making disciples, helping people follow Jesus, I'm telling you quite seriously and maybe emphatically, I would love for every one of you to be a partner in the gospel around 
the globe because it's serious to Jesus. He spent his blood to purchase people from every tribe and language and nation. But he put himself uniquely vulnerable to people like you and me to partner with him to complete the purchase. How will they hear if someone doesn't bring the message? How will they go if someone doesn't send them? So we have this thing that I'm inviting you to this month to either renew what you did last year or to step it up this year to fill out this form. Give us your name and check off what you're planning on doing, which might be I'm committing to pray regularly for for missionaries. Hugely important. Prayer is hugely important. But also, maybe I'm committing to give some amount of money every month. And the way this works, by the way, is these people are dependent on planning their life, right? You probably figure out if you can pay a certain amount of rent by having a job and knowing what your boss said he'd pay you. What these guys do is they wait for us to tell them, hey, we've talked to our congregation, and they've agreed that they're going to all together give you know, this many hundreds of dollars that we're going to send to you. You can depend on us for the next year. And then they can make their plans. See how, and they can say, oh, I guess I can have a place to live and rent this room. But if we don't do that, then they can't do that. And then some of them would have to come home. You see on the wall there, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, it looks like. Ten. Oh, I, I can't even count. <laughs> uh, count to ten, Ron. I don't want any of those guys to say, well, we have to go home because people aren't supporting us anymore. We send them. So I'm asking you to pray about how much you'll be involved financially. And um, by the way, the I can't afford this, you can afford something. I think there's someone in our congregation that gives less than $5 a month consistently monthly all the time. Less than five. I bet you could do five. Maybe you can do 500. I'd like that even more. But somewhere between. The point is when you commit, like I did, to missions and financially, and I don't do it automatically. I actually make sure that it's in my calendar to remind me. I write the check. I give the money. I, put the, I do the online, whatever I do. I do it not automatically so that I'm reminded to pray and think about what I'm doing. And that way my heart is engaged in cherishing the nations as a partner with Jesus around the world. So there's two things. You can, you can fill out that form. You could even drop it in that black box. You can mail it in, or you can whip out your phone, or your computer, or your tablet, or your phablet, I guess, too, <laughs> which is a big phone and a tablet, and go to this webpage, Grace VCF, as in Vineyard Christian Fellowship, gracevcf.org slash pledge23. If you go there, you can do it all online, too. Please prayerfully do that, but also pray about... If you have a role like you're supposed to go, you're certainly supposed to pray. And look, I keep seeing my friend Jeff down here. Everyone say, hi, Jeff. Thank you, Snake. You're the only person that did what I said. So my friend Jeff here is a missionary to urban youth in Oceanside. He came here from another state. God sent him here. He works for Urban Youth Collaborative, and he helps students lead student-led Bible studies and Bible clubs on campuses in middle school and high school. 
And he also leads like after school kind of um, assembly type things, little clubs where, where the gospel is being preached by students in our high schools and middle schools in Oceanside right now. And by the way, Jeff tells me he's never seen an opening to the gospel like there is in Oceanside right now. Phenomenal. So you might meet him and say, you know what? I'm going to support you every month because he has to pay rent and live in Oceanside and he can't have a job normally because he works full-time with kids. And he's building his support right now. Sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I bet you didn't mind the advertisement. <laughs> Great ministry. So get involved either with us, which I like, or somewhere and do missions. Sound good? Someone say, like, sounds good, Ron. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Okay. <laughs> now, it's time to land this ship. It's 11.04. How about if we have our amazing worship band come back up? It was really beautiful watching the numbers of you last week who pressed in for prayer, receiving and giving prayer for each other. Do you remember that? Just this whole front was filled with people. Let me just invite the Holy Spirit with you to come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, please come. We know you're here, but I mean particularly come and touch each individual life. Remember, you are called as a partner in many ways. Some of you to open your homes. Some of you to give. Some of you to go. Some of you to lead Bible studies. It's time to step it up. Time to take your place. So listen to the Lord and see what he's saying. And if you are sensing right now that God himself, his Holy Spirit, is speaking, drawing to you, I want to ask you to come to the front. Make this, you know, they use, they use the word make this an altar. That's a place where you lay down your life. Make this an altar where you lay down your life to join Jesus in cherishing the nations here in Oceanside, San Diego, around the world, you each have a role in loving the people that Jesus died for, every one of you. Find your place. Do your part in the partnership that Jesus called you to because the team of the body of Christ is depending on you to do what you're called to do. Feel the responsibility. It's real. You have a calling. There's other kinds of things that the Lord often is doing in this type of moment. Yeah, one of the things is I think there might be some people here who are really under the weight of feeling guilt or shame for some things you've done just this week. So much so that the enemy of your soul is trying to tell you that you're worthless that God can't use you, you might as well just go home. Just give it up. If you are hearing that voice, Satan is trying to steal from you. And Jesus is saying, I love you. And if you've fallen, I'm going to pick you up. If you've sinned, I will forgive and cleanse you. Just ask me. Just come back. So some of you feeling that right now, you might come and ask someone to pray over you, and you'll find some relief and some strength some renewing in your life, and I'd encourage you to do that. Other people um, that need 
healing in your bodies. Jesus is a healer. We'll pray for you. See if there's some miracles to be had today. Let's stand together. The way we end it here is we don't really end it. It just kind of floats. <laughs> so there's worship. Some of you are going to just engage with the Lord where you're seated. Some of you are going to come to the front. Some of you are going to get prayer. Some of you are going to leave. The worship band is worshiping for a while now. Just engage with the Lord right now. Father, we love you. We love the partnership you've called us to. We love you that you love us and cherish us. We love that you trust us enough that you partner with us to cherish the nations with you. We ask that your kingdom be upon us to make us whole and to use us then to make others whole with you. That the very rule and reign of God be upon us with the power and authority of Jesus himself. Bless us. People, the Lord himself bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you rest. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, giving you peace and sending you out simultaneously. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.